the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Golden Rule is probably the best known of all of Jesus' saying, and it's the first that we know of in the history of the world that was framed in a positive form. Now, when I say that, there are others throughout history that have taken the concept and framed it in a negative form. What they say is, do not do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. For example, in the negative form, if you don't like being hated, don't hate others. You know, it's not difficult to not do something. There's always something new to understand and learn, isn't there? If you think you've known everything there is to know about the Golden Rule, well, stay tuned. Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on this broadcast we call Study Verse by Verse has a lot to share. Jesus is not only God incarnate, he's also the only person who ever lived who never sinned. The Bible says so. This makes him the perfect high priest. The author of Hebrews in chapter 5 describes the function of the high priest. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the high priest is the mediator between God and men. And notice that the high priest is chosen from among men. The high priest has to be a man, part of the human race. Jesus is God incarnate. The word incarnate means in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the God-man. John's gospel says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses later, and the Word became flesh. Now, why did the Word, Jesus, have to become flesh? Hebrews 2 gives us the answer. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became, became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die... And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us. When we are being tested. Theologians describe the incarnation as Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. Jesus is the God man. He is the perfect high priest, the perfect mediator. The apostle Paul wrote, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is the God-man. He is the perfect mediator. He is the perfect high priest. Going back to, the, to Hebrews, it reads in chapter 4, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, 
And then to make sure we all understand who he's talking about, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive grace and find uh, mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, there was a research project done several years ago, I think it was done by the Barna Research Company, that, that found that 61% of professing Christians do not believe that Jesus was sinless. 61%, that's more than half, that's almost two-thirds of professing Christians do not believe that Jesus was sinless, even though Scripture says clearly he was. And when you think about it, and you connect the dots, it doesn't even make sense. Because if Jesus was not sinless, that would make him a sinner. And if Jesus was a sinner, then he would need a Savior. And if Jesus needed a Savior, he couldn't be the Savior. You see, when you connect the dots, it doesn't even make sense. And it's clearly contrary to Scripture. Jesus is perfect. We are not. And by contrast with God, even the best among us are evil. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? And so the force of this illustration lies in the contrast between God and man. This whole much more argument brings out the certainty that the Heavenly Father is going to give good things to those who pray. And so Jesus here again is revealing the heart of God the Father. He's not selfish. He's not stingy. We don't have to beg. We don't have to grovel. He's a loving father who understands and and cares and comforts, and he wants to give good things to those who ask him. So Jesus here declares that God does answer our prayers, and when we pray seriously, we continue to keep asking and seeking and knocking, and then we will find and receive and have opportunities that are opened up for us and that are beneficial for us. God is generous, and he sets the example, and he wants us to be likewise. This leads into the golden rule. The word therefore or so at the beginning of verse 12 makes this verse a conclusion to what has preceded it. What God wants to see in our lives is a reflection of himself. Parents like to see a reflection of themselves in their children. God wants to see a reflection of himself in us. Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Do unto others what you wish others would do for you. Now, this is uh, Jesus' summary not only of this particular few verses, but also of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember we talked about inclusios earlier in our study. Uh, The Beatitudes, the first and the last Beatitude had uh, an inclusio. They talked about the kingdom of God. Well, this is also a closure of an inclusio that goes back clear to chapter 5, verse 17. It reads, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Here again, he's talking about the law and the prophets. So he's closing up this inclusio. But it's also, the law and the prophets is also an allusion to the greatest commandment. Love God, love your neighbor. On these hang the law and the prophets. The golden rule is probably the best known of all of Jesus saying, and it's the first that we know of in the history of the world that was framed in a positive form. 
Now, when I say that, there are others throughout history that have taken the concept and framed it in a negative form. The rabbi Hillel said, what is hateful to yourself, do to no other. That's the whole law. The rest is commentary. The uh, prophetical book of Tobit that was composed several centuries before Christ, in it the hero tells his son, what thou hatest, do to no man. William Barclay, a great scholar, finds parallels in the teachings of Confucius, the Stoics, and, and Buddhism. But they're all phrased in the negative. What they say is, do not do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. In its negative form, it's the basis of all ethical teaching. In the negative form, it, it involves not doing certain things, refraining from certain actions. For example, in the negative form, one would teach the behavior like this. If you don't enjoy being robbed, don't rob others. If you don't like being cursed, don't curse others. If you don't like being hated, don't hate others. You know, it's not difficult to not do something. And any person could follow that guideline. They don't have to be religious at all. In fact, you can satisfy that guideline by doing nothing at all. A goodness which consists of doing nothing, however, would be a contradiction of everything that Christian goodness means. By Jesus stating this in the positive, he's he's raising the bar so much more. You know, it's one thing to say, I will not injure people because I don't want them to injure me. And another thing to say, I'm going to go out of my way to help other people because I wish that if I was in need, they would go out of their way to help me. The attitude which says, I must do no harm to another is different than the attitude which says, I must do my best to help others. The former can be compelled by the law. The latter can only be compelled by love. By nature, that is our fallen nature, we as humans tend to be self-centered. We focus on us, our needs, our desires. But Christ has saved us and has redeemed us and is transforming us more into his own image. Jesus says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep praying, persevere in pray. The apostle Paul said, pray unceasingly. So your homework this week, should you choose to accept it, is to create a list of priorities to pray for and to pray through that list each day. And I know many of you are already doing this. But our goal here is to learn how to persevere in prayer. We're going to find out what we're really serious about praying for. And the list can be added to as appropriate. It can be edited. And what you're probably going to find is the list gets longer and longer. And pretty soon you can't pray the whole list in one day. So then the things that are really, really important go to the top of the list. You pray for those every day, and the other things get divided up. Some are on Monday, some are on Tuesday, some are on Wednesday, and so forth. And I know some of you are already doing this because in the last two weeks I was out shopping. One of the church people came up and said, Pastor, I just want you to know I pray for you every Tuesday. (laughs) And I am so thankful I'm being prayed for. And I know that person's praying for me every Tuesday. I need those prayers. And then the second part of your homework is to put the golden rule into practice. And what I mean is this. Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. We have a tendency to go through our day and we're entirely self-centered. 
So make it a goal at least once each day to be paying attention to people around you. And if you see somebody needs some help, and you were in their position, you'd like to have some help, help them. You know what will happen is if you make it a point each day to do it, it might get so much fun you do it all through the day. And in fact, it might even become second nature. And if enough of us get this practice, this world is going to be a lot happier place, will it not? Thank the Lord. Lord, we are so thankful you've given us your word, and you've given us your Holy Spirit, and you've saved us from our sin. And beyond that, you've adopted us as your very own children. You've given us a purpose in life, and you've given us a hope when this life has run its course to be in heaven with you for all eternity. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Go with God. Amen. Well, that's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and this is a program called Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And we've wrapped up today his look at the golden rule found in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. We'll start a new message tomorrow. I hope you can join us and let your friends know that this program is on the air. Help us out in that way. We'll be back at the same time for more Study Verse by Verse.